0: 20 or oh 29, there. Yeah. Very good. Awesome. Good to see you. Oh, cool. Thank, you Thank you so much to be thankful for. Wow. God is good. All the time. <laughs> or it's always, isn't it? Some people will say. Yeah. <laughs> God is good all the time. <clears throat> he, okay. Um. Kitties, uh, you can go and have learn something from Sunday school. Thank you, thanks for staying with us. Okay. Let's uh, let's pray again now, uh, just to refocus on God's word for this morning. Father, I want to thank you so much for the good news uh, of health and salvation and all that you bring to us. You are truly Jehovah Jireh, Lord, our provider for all our needs, Lord. And that just shows how much you love us and care for us. And we thank you for, for sharing your glory with us. We ask this morning that we can dig into your word and get to know you further in truth and your will, Lord. That we may abide by you in your ways, not just because we have to, but Lord, because we love to. So we thank you for being here in our presence. This morning, in Jesus' name, Amen. So many, so many good things. Absolutely, this morning um, is the last of what I'll be talking about when we're breaking Christian beliefs. And I've been doing this for about eight months now, breaking false Christian beliefs. That is, of course, or false assumptions that we may gathered through our lifetime, through our experiences, or whatever it is, and we've held on to these beliefs that. Aren't necessarily true yet. We we sort of stick to them, and and it and it's it's probably damaging to our relationship. So this is the last one of it, uh, and it's a continuation from the one about choices I did about in in November. Or we spoke about in November. Uh, does anybody remember the first assumption that I may have? Well, we looked at breaking, maybe. That is really good because. I'll recap it then. And it, it just shows that, yeah, we do forget. And since it was in July, the first time we raised this up, uh, it was a while back, and we forget things that are going on. So, you know, when we when we do a preaching or when we do a service, we need to repeat things. And sometimes you'll hear a story of Jonah one year, then you might hear it from another a minister the next year, and you go, I heard about Jonah, but I did forget. So cool, now I get to hear about Jonah the prophet. Again, and in a different light, maybe. So I think it's okay that we... So this morning I want to recap the things that we may have forgotten uh, because I think they're quite serious. And then I do want to finish off on uh, the last assumption that was made was if I make right choices, I will grow spiritually. So I want to finish off with that one because that wasn't actually finished the last time. So the first one was that it is selfish to have my needs met. Do you remember that? Okay, good. So selfish to have my needs met, and we're breaking the assumption. So I'm disagreeing with that statement. We're disagreeing with that statement. Um, but where do we get these beliefs from? Sometimes they're through our experiences uh, that we've learnt about how we believe these things or perceive these things to be, or maybe we have this perception of God in some way, and it's come through our experiences. Sometimes it's come through um, our education. So listening to sermons, listening to other preachers, and we gain a perspective or we understand truth by listening to other people talk and educate us. I mean, we've had great education here through elders in this church, absolutely. Sometimes it's through revelation, where God reveals it to himself. God reveals straight to you, directly to you. Um, So there's some ways we actually pick up perceptions and truths and we learn about who God is. There's more than just that. So some of our beliefs in our, in our world, though, is um, could be anything. And we pick it up from one of these sources. So, for example, we believe sugar to be bad for us, or too much sugar to be bad for us. And where do we learn that from? So where does that come from? Where, where do we know that from? How, do we, how have we learnt that? And if we do believe that too much sugar is, we, do, we attempt, and some, sometimes it's easier for others than uh, to cut down on sugar, we, we try to cut down on sugar. Um, yep, easier said than done for me particularly I know that I love, love my chocolate without a doubt uh, last night I had a chair rock which was just grouse in bed and it was a bit of a treat but that's because I love sugar even though I know too much is bad for me um, some of us or most of us hopefully most of us believe that the earth is round but for a long time the, the world didn't know that so when did the belief change how did it change And even today, sometimes that belief is even questioned amongst people. Um, Sometimes our belief then then carry into, and our perceptions carry into our religion and our spiritual lives. So, for example, I've been told that if I'm spiritual enough, or if I have big enough faith, I should never get sick, or I should never suffer pain. And these are Christians telling me this. So where do we get that belief? How come they believe that? But, but I don't believe that. So where do we get these from? All right, so the first one was, it is selfish to have my needs met. And we went through something that self-care, and oh, first of all, do you remember when I asked you to stand up for a minute and, and, and guess how long a minute would be and sit down? Do you remember that? And the idea was to, to be in silence. Silence. And it was, it was started off this picture of we need self-care. And we used an example that even Jesus himself used the example to step out of the way of people and get some time alone. That self-care was necessary for him. And, and the challenge for that one minute was, well, I challenged us all to every day, let's try to do that. For one minute, sit in silence, maybe hear God's voice. I'm not sure if we've kept that up or maybe if you really want to challenge yourself in doing so, for one minute to be silent with God each day, an intentional minute. And we went through and this was the, um, probably the, the punchline of it all with Parker Palmer saying that self-care is never a selfish act, it's simply good stewardship. Of the only gift I have, the gift I was put on earth to offer others. We have to take care of ourselves. If we deplete ourselves so much... What can we give to others? How can we be a light? And maybe you remember this one, and I use Batman. So if Batman was filling up his car at the petrol station, you know, our greatest crime detective that we have, um, and everybody else is saying, well, oh, let's put in a Christian perspective. If we're filling up your tank, you need to fill up your tank. But if others say, oh, that, that's not holiness. Holiness is you filling up other people's tanks. But if Batman did that and he filled up everybody else's car, when does he get to go and fight crime again? So self-care is important and some of the things that we just looked at. We saw that Jesus loves to meet our needs. We have needs. And Jesus loves to meet them. And we read through them in the Beatitudes. This, of course, is going back to July last year. So this is recapping all of that. And hopefully maybe some of these things go, I remember when you did that. I remember we spoke about that. But I haven't practiced it yet. So this is a refresher for us a little bit. Maybe we need to relook at these things. And in that sermon we looked at joy and, and we said that joy stands for Jesus, others, yourself. And the idea of that is a self-sacrificial belief. That if we put Jesus first and then others second and then yourself last, then you should have joy. Here we turned it around a little bit. Because if we're always giving and if Jesus is first and we don't take from him, if he doesn't fill us up, we're going to struggle. If we give only to others but they don't fill us up as well, we'll be depleted. And if we don't care for ourselves, then how long can we really stand? How long will you last before you get extremely tired and want to just sit in bed all day? So joy goes both ways. Joy is part of God filling us up too. Others filling us up and enjoying that together. Good. The second assumption we broke was very similar. It's quite similar because it ties into that one there. And it's, if I have God, I don't need people. Do you remember that one? Rings a bell, sort of, yeah. So we say, well, if I have God, that's all I need. But even God himself is interrelational. Even God himself has the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He has a relationship with all three. So it's picturing for us, too, the way he created us, the way I believe he created us, is to be in relationships. And one of my favourite relationships, and we looked at it in that time, was, um, oh, well, here's some examples that we raised, just to refresh your memories. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up the other. You see how we need each other? You see how we actually need it? And God's designed it that way. But woe to the one who is alone and falls and does not have another to help him. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though one might prevail against another, two will withstand one. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Okay, so God's made us to fulfill each other's needs. To need. We need each other. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters, and only Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence. Not just for yourself, but through love, become slaves to one another. So we're working with each other. I'm here for you. But not just that. You're here for me. We need to be here for each other. I think that's great news. Relationships, one of the hardest things, but the most important thing on this earth. Our relationships. And I use the idea of, well, friendship. Friendship is so important in our lives, good, true, honest friendship. Yeah? That we can stand by each other's sides. And I use this slide from from that sermon. But we looked at some of the traits of a true friendship. And a true friendship heightens our joy in God. These are some of the things a true friendship does. So we need true friends. And These are the things why. This is what we need. Christians find help, um, sorry, true friends expose sin in us that keep us from God. So we need each other to be accountable. When someone's slipping away, we need someone to go, hey, I don't, I don't know what you're choosing at the moment or what you're doing, but it's not going to be healthy for you. You better watch out. Look out for yourself. So we need each other for that. True friends encourage us to obey God. They encourage us. We encourage each other. True friends bring us to, to God in our weakness. And I love the picture, and I used the picture uh, back then, when, when we redid that sermon, of the paralyzed man in Mark, and his friends brought him on a mat. He couldn't get there by himself, and they, he couldn't dig a hole in the roof to get down to see Jesus. His mates brought him. We need to be those mates. And true friends love us for the glory of God. So we need God. We need his word. We need each other. And I love what the Apostle John wrote. In, um, in John, I believe, in chapter 2, verse 12. He says, Although I have much to write to you, I would rather not use pink uh, paper and ink. Pink and paper. Paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you. I hope that I can come. I don't want to keep writing letters. I want to come to you. Why? To talk with you face to face. And I love this sentence so that your joy may be complete. That face to face. The importance face to face. Maybe today we need to change it a little bit. I don't want to waste Facebook lines on the computer or Instagram feeds. I want to come and see you face to face. Maybe that's how we need to interpret it today in our culture. All right, so the last one, and we did this not long ago, but it wasn't complete, is a Christian belief that if I make right choices, I will grow spiritually. I I believe I might have an example of a sermon. And these are the ideas we get from sometimes poor education. Or maybe not thought out education. Or maybe just misunderstood education. A preacher only has maybe half an hour each time and can't explain everything all the time. It all comes down to this, to choices, a preacher said. People choose to do what they want to do. If you really want to serve God and live a spiritual life, you will. Simply choose it. That's what he's saying. He'll stop sinning and make right choices. Go out from here and make right choices. And that's what some preachings tell us. That's what some teachings tell us. And you know what? It sounds pretty good, doesn't it? It sounds good. So what am I trying to break here? Isn't that right? Just decide. Make the right decision go. I'm not saying that choices are out of the question. I believe that we do have choices. I believe, believe that God has given us a free will in some sense to choose and decide what we do. But a lot of us go, well, if I don't go to the footy on Sunday afternoon I go to church, I'll grow spiritually. Or instead of relaxing at home and looking after myself on a Friday night, I'll go to prayer meeting, I'll stay home and watch Netflix, but I won't grow spiritually then. You see, and, we, and we, we we make this righteousness into the things we do. And I used the picture of um, I use the picture of my chili plants. I don't know if you remember that. And he's actually told me how to make my chili plant plants grow. And we did this because Paul uses this for spiritual growth. He uses the picture of a tree, of a fruit tree. All right? And you told me, well, if you water your chili plants, they'll grow. If you plant them in good soil, they'll grow. And you told me earlier, if you protect them from the birds, you know, they won't get rotten or they won't disappear. Things like that. So we need to protect it. And I love what Paul says. I don't know if I have it up there, but um, it says, Paul says, I planted, Apollo Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but only God who gives the growth. You see, maybe we can use um, Taylor as an example as she's coming up to baptism. Sorry to use you, I didn't ask your permission. But maybe, as a picture, as an illustration, it could have been the youth group that planted Taylor and the ideas of truth of God and the perception of God that God loves her. And maybe that was part of the planting. And then Mel comes along and says, well, let's do Alpha Course together. Let's do some discipleship. And so maybe Mel does some watering on Taylor. But all the glory goes to God, for God is who does the growing. It also means that Taylor somewhere had a choice. I could come to youth group or I could stay home. Melanie had a choice. I could not disciple her or I could disciple her. There was still some choice in all of this. But to God, he's given the glory, for he does the growing. And not just in ourselves, but in our church too. In the world. For God so loved the world. Wow. The world. For all of us. It was, um, I keep flicking to there, sorry, I'll get there really soon. It was, it was someone after that sermon, though, that says, All right, though, if God does all the growing and right choices don't make me grow spiritually, someone said, Well, what do you say to those people? And I could get this a little bit wrong because it was a while back now, but it was something like, What do you say to those people who just say, Well, if God's in control, then I've got to do nothing? Because if, in the end, whatever I decide, it's his fate so I could just sit back and do nothing. So what do you say to that? All right, first of all, that's a perception of someone who believes that God is like that. The other side of that is, well, God has totally given me free will, so fate is in my hands, whatever I choose to decide. And there's sort of these two extremes. And in this, uh, probably this Western culture of, um, of ours, for us, it's, it can't be both. Either God is... In control, and fate is all in His hands. So the outcome is God's. No matter what, no matter what I choose, or God has given me free will. And they're sort of the two perspectives we have. And we like to be Collingwood supporters here. It's either black or white. It's one or the other. Because we can't, or we struggle to comprehend that that maybe it is both. I can't explain it to you really well. Maybe it's the next sermon. Maybe I've got to look it up a bit more. But I believe God is in control. I do. This is me. This is my perception of God. He's totally in control. And I believe that he's also given me freedom to choose as well. So somewhere I'm standing in the middle and I don't know how that is. But I can't deny both of those truths. So when I say that, we have a choice. But right choices don't lead to spiritual growth. So what do we do then? If we have choices, what do we do? Well, we all perceive things differently, I suppose. That's what that slide was all for. Um, I don't know what you can see. I love these things because I put them up to my year 10s and sometimes year 7 boys groups. And uh, what do you see in there? Someone yell something out. Two in the first one? Two faces. Yep. What or a vase? You see you see both things. That's sort of like me when I'm standing in the, I see both things. I don't know how to work it out, but I'm there somewhere. What about the second one? What do you see? You see a face? And a saxophone player. You see the saxophone? It took me a while to see a saxophone player, but he he's there. It must be like a note that is playing out or sound. Yep. How do we perceive God, though? Because the way we perceive God then is becomes how we live our life. You see, if we perceive God to be controlling or freedom giving, we live by that way. Another example: Do you see God as a as a king or a friend, or, or is it both again? Because see, if you see him as a king, and if, I could imagine your prayer time to be quite reverent. And you're probably bowing down and you're on your knees and the words that come out, you know, are very careful because God is king and we are his servants. If you see him as a friend, I could see your prayer time's a bit more like walking around the house or in the yard and, and you're just talking to him like he would talk to a mate. And neither one is wrong or right. I, I think the truth comes, again, somewhere in the middle of all of that. We love to see in black and white. I think a lot of the scripture is both. A grey. Not an unsure grey. This is how God is. Grey. It's a wonderful grey. Or if you see him, and I heard a preaching very recently, and it says, do you see him as saviour or do you see him as Lord? Because if you see God as saviour, then you're saved by grace and it doesn't matter really what you do. But if you see him as Lord, then everything that matters is the actions that come from you. It's your deeds, because I've got to obey, because he's Lord. Paul says he's Lord and Saviour in the same sentence. In that great, he's both. Now, why can't it be? I know it's unsettling because we try to separate these things. But God is is big. It's hard to understand him fully. We don't. Okay, so what is in in our... What what can be our choice? So the idea, and I raised this last time, so this is still a little bit more recapping, um, is, well, to grow spiritually, we need to clean the inside of the cup. Matthew 23, 25 says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. The whole chapter, you check it out. It's Matthew 23. It's all about woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. Sometimes it's scary, because sometimes we can like, tick one of those verses and they go, oh, that's a bit of me. So uh, this is part of it. In 25, he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. Hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and of the plate, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind... Blind is a good word here too. You blind Pharisees first clean the inside of the cup so that the outside also may become clean. You see, blindness is when you don't understand. That's what the word does. You Pharisees, you don't understand or you can't see or you're living in darkness. You're blind. And it's interesting that Jesus is saying it Because Jesus claimed to be the light of the world. So if you had sight, you would see that Jesus is light. But if you're blind, you can't see that. So he calls them blind. I believe this is what happens when we have a false perception of Jesus. When we aren't seeking the truth. Jesus also claims to be the truth. So I'm not saying everything's relative. For me, Jesus is absolute. There is Jesus. He claims to be the truth. And I believe it. So cleaning the inside of the cup is necessary. Part of that cleaning of the inside of the cup is the bad out and the good in. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it wanders through waterless regions looking for a resting place. But it finds none. Then it says, I'll return to my house from which I came. When it comes, it finds it empty, swept, and put in order. Then it goes and brings along seven other spirits. You see, we can get rid of our sin and clean the inside of the cup, but if we're not filling it up with something that's good and wholesome and loving and kind and gentle, then the Spirit's going to come back and find it still empty and go, ha, huh, there's room in here for me. So we don't just get rid of the sin. We don't just get rid of anything that's separating us from the love of God, although nothing can separate us from the love of God. We fill it up with something good. An example I can give you is this February, which is still February now, I was challenged by my brother to go without bread. And so I've been going without bread and I haven't eaten bread once in February. February. And I told one of the PE teachers at my school, I go, hey, I'm going without bread in February, so let's not go to um, uh, Subway. So let's go to a taco joint instead where I can just get, I don't know, corn chips. Problem with that is, he actually said, he goes, goes, Nathaniel, they call me Nathaniel there, Nathaniel, you're going to lose a lot of weight by not eating bread this month, I guarantee it. I go, okay, cool. It's towards the end of February soon. There's about a week and a bit to go. I haven't lost weight. You want to know why? Because I've stopped the bad but I've filled it up with chips. <laughs> I can tell you, I can tell you now that sometimes Macca's chips are good, but most of the time they're pretty bad. Sometimes KFC chips, generally KFC chips are better than Macca's chips. But I look forward to Nando's <laughs> chips the most. You see, I've worked it out now in this month. That's because I filled up my empty cup when I cleaned it out. I filled it up with something bad again. I've substituted with something Maybe even worse. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. This is... But this is the idea. Bad out, yes, but good in. So what is our Christian life saying? Fill it up with goodness. Those true uh, friendships that we have. Let's fill it up with those things. Yeah? So bad out, good in. This is how we clean the cup. Pure intentions versus right intentions. I won't stay too much on this um, because I did speak about this last time. There's, there's a right intention. A right intention is sometimes the thought that we go, I've got to do this because that's the right thing to do, even though I don't want to do it. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Sometimes life throws us that. And so we've got to act in that certain way. And hopefully you're doing the right thing, even if you don't like doing it. However, a pure intention is when you love what God loves and you do it not just because you have to but because you love doing it. You want to do it. You See how that becomes stronger? A pure intention rather than just a right intention. I like this picture. It's more of a picture of kindness. And the elephant... I think it's a dog or a cat. I'm not sure. Elephant doesn't need... Elephant can get wet, right? The right thing to do would be, all right, I'm going to give you the umbrella. But if they've got a relationship, they love each other, he won't even think twice. He'll want to do it out of pure intention, a pure heart. Create in me a clean heart, O Lord. Renew a right spirit within me, the psalmist says. Live with pure intentions. So find out what God loves and fall in love with the same thing. Because then it's just natural. You're not trying to choose to do right, you simply are. Can you see the difference there? Yeah? You're not choosing, I've got to make the right choice. You are out of love, pure intention. Okay, um, I'm going to need some help I forgot to ask you this at the start uh, to find some verses because I didn't write them all down so we'll end with this because it might take just a little while Um, but these are some of the things uh, about the choices that you actually have so I'm not saying we don't have choices but right choices don't lead to spiritual growth You see, I said it last time, spiritual growth leads to right choices. You get that? When we've cleaned the inside of the cup, when we're living pure, the fruit becomes the right choices we make and not the other way around. So, um, who's good at flicking through their Bibles or their phones? Can I have about 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 people? All right, um... Or you can get maybe two each, if you can get Psalms and uh, and John eight. So Psalms thirty-two, John eight. Uh, can someone else have? a... someone got the? Thanks, Annie. Yep. Um, John three sixteen and maybe First Chronicles sixteen eleven. You want to Get both, because then after you do that, you can flick to the other one, I suppose. Oscar, you good? good. Um, Proverbs. And Matthew six fourteen fifteen. Ben, uh, lamentations, and then one more. Jess, did you want? It? No, um, thanks, Mel. And then Matthew four seventeen, I believe. We're going to finish off with this. So, right choices don't lead to spiritual growth. But what can I do then to grow spiritually? The idea is funny, spiritual growth. Because we don't look at it and go, I want to grow spiritually. Think of our our physical bodies. Um, We want to grow. We we, we want our kids to grow. That's even a better example. We want our children to grow. Lockie and and Sabine and and, um, Charlie. We've got heaps of kids here. I won't name them all. But we want them to grow. So what do we say that helps them grow big and strong? What's some advice? Eat your vegetables. Eat your vegetables. The kids like eating their vegetables? No. Imagine Lachlan came up to you one day, or your parents or whatever, and he says, uh, I really want to grow, big and strong. Give me my dinner, I want to eat it all now. He doesn't say that. When he's hungry, he says, I want food now, not because I want to grow, but because I said it, because I'm hungry. We don't look for growth, we're just feeding ourselves. We're growing. It's a funny concept. It's happening. So, what do we feed ourselves? Though vegetables. Some adults don't like vegetables, even. anyway. So, it's a, it's an interesting concept. Growth. We don't think of it as in I need to do this to grow. I need to do this. No, because growth is going to come gradually and naturally. Because God does the growing. It's God who does the growing. All right, and here are some things that will help us. Grow. Confess your sins. Psalms 32:3 to 5. so when we don't ask when we don't confess it builds us up and it eats us up i think that's what the psalmist was saying but when i confess my iniquities my weaknesses to you and james talks about it that's probably more a common verse he's he's faithful and just to forgive us confess your sins one to another so that you may be healed god is looking he wants us to be healed um we give up the notion that we can save ourselves, and we all know this one. Let's hear from John 3:16. Thank you, Annie. It's not me that does my saving or salvation. The truth is that is God. Um, submit our inability to God, Proverbs 3. makes your path straight we submit everything to him so God's doing all the work he's making the path straight but we still got to do the submitting part there's still choice for us we give him our inabilities Um, Lamentations 3.40 ask for help in seeking for our faults I believe I might have scribbled it down wrong Let us test. I like the word us. So let us. And help each other. That's what the true friendship does, yeah? Helps us come back to God. If someone's falling, let's test it. Let's have a look at it. Repent. Do we have Matthew 4, 17? Oh, did I have a Matthew? Oh, sorry, yeah. Jesus' words. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. A need for repentance. Uh, Make amends, Matthew 5. Oh, no one had Matthew 5? Can someone grab Matthew 5? Sorry, I must have missed one. Oh, thank you. Making amends seems to be a huge deal then. I'd rather you not be here. Go and make amends first, and then you can come and worship. Then you can come into my presence. Then you can go and make amends first. It's a big deal to God. When's the last time we made amends? Do we do that in our culture? Hmm. Forgive. Matthew 6. Again, we talked about perception a little bit. What's your perception? So some people will view this verse as simply, um, well, it's a condition. You see, if I'm not forgiving my brothers, then I know God won't forgive me. I need to do that so God can forgive me. Some people view it that way. The other way to look at it is, God's forgiven me, so I'm going to forgive you. There's two perceptions in, in two ways in looking at that. I don't know. Well, maybe you can look at it both. It depends on your day. Uh, see how you go. But but I, I I love the view that God has forgiven me. So it's not in me to hold back forgiveness for someone else. Yeah, I've been forgiven. That's the best news ever. I'm not a grouse guy. God knows that. Um. Seek God. First Chronicles sixteen eleven. Seek the Lord in his strength, seek, seek his presence continually. Amen. That's what that oh, well seek truth is. So it's sort of tied in. John eight thirty two. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Ah What a good verse to almost end with because there's one more, isn't it? So we're talking about our perception. But God's saying, know the truth. Look for it. Seek it out. Because that truth is the thing that's going to give you freedom. That's going to set you free. Know the truth. How important uh, have they made it to look for truth? Good. And the last one, is John thirteen thirty four? I didn't give it to anybody. That's okay. Ah, oh, thanks, Mum. Oh. All of these choices. They assume weakness and inability. They're not about choosing what's good and all that. Can you get that from there? It's it's almost like I'm weak. I need confession. I need to forgive. It's in our humility that God makes us stand. I love, um, and when we're seeking the truth, I love Psalm 1, and I'll read it out to you, and this is how we'll close. Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or take the path of the sinner that treads or sits in the seat of the scoffers. But their delight, do we get that? There's a pure intention right there. They delight, they love to do it, is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, they meditate. See that? Taking a minute out of your day to just simply meditate. It's all joining up, sort of. I didn't even mean that. It's great, though. Meditate day and night. They're like a tree. You see that? Paul talks about a tree and spiritual growth. Here's the psalm talking about a tree. Planted by the streams of the waters, which yield fruit. Our spiritual growth will lead, will naturally happen, and will make right choices. They are like a tree planted by the streams of water, which yield fruit in its season, and their leaves do not wither. In all they do, they prosper. Let's be like that tree. Let us prosper. May God lift us up because we confess our sins, because we repent, because we seek him with all our heart. May God lift us up. Let's bow in prayer. Father, thank you for this morning. We thank you that your presence is here. We thank you that you love us in whatever state we're in right now. Lord, we, we reflect this morning and we pray that we can seek this truth, a true perspective on who you are, to continually, to reflect, to look at who you are in us, in our relationship, in our church, in our community. Father, we ask that uh, we're reminded that we can take care of ourselves, that that it's not selfish to look after me. Lord, because we're thankful that you meet our needs. You meet every single one of our needs. And we believe that. Lord, we're thankful for true friendships. And we ask that uh, you create and you strengthen New and old friendships, Lord. And Lord, it's you, and we declare that you do the growing in us, in ourselves and in our church. May you grow this church. May you be with us. May we delight, not just because we want to do it, because we have to, because we're commanded, but may we delight in your word, in your law, we thank you. And keep us safe this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, bro. Um, you've prompted me to um to remember a song by Paul Common, Trio, Fill My Cup. Oh, yeah, Fill My Cup. Um, I don't know if everybody knows Paul Common, Trio, but some of us may remember it. I'm just going to sing the chorus. It's a very short chorus. I've seen it a couple of times. It says... Fill my cup to the top with running water. Pour me out and show me how. Something like... Fill my cup to the top with running water. Pour me out and show me how. Fill my cup to the top with running water pull me out and show me how yeah it just comes to my mind a lot of emptying ourselves letting the spirit fill us so thanks for that bro